Anomalous Playboy, a football podcast. With your hosts, Ashley and Michael, please sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the newest episode of the Undroppables Playbook, a football podcast presented by the Undroppables and sponsored by Analyst Depot. I'm your host, Ashley, and this is my co-host, Michael Duncan. Hey, everyone. Happy 10th episode, Ashley. I know. Um, That's like a centennial or something. That's the wrong one. That's like our dime anniversary. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I really can't believe we've been doing this for 10 weeks. That is mind-blowing well when you say it like that it sounds a lot more impressive it, i mean it has it is pretty impressive well you technically i've been doing it for 10 weeks you did it for nine yeah, because weeks. i missed one episode so i've so. done it for nine weeks this is nine for me but well so i take back my celebration and my congratulations <laughs> and i'll congratulate you wow. next week wow thanks so much you're welcome um yeah, so newest week. We just finished up week nine in the NFL. We are the midway point of this season. Really crazy. Um, it was a crazy week. A lot of upsets. A lot of really weird games, including the one where the Bills lost to the Jags in a score of nine to six. Strange. Fun story about that. I did a I did a parlay, uh, and the thing that I put in there because I had a good feeling about it uh, to kind of mm-hmm. like build up the. Uh, the odds or whatever was having Jacksonville uh, beat the bills outright. Uh, that was the only part of the parlay. I got correct. Of course. Of course. Yeah. It hurt. It really hurt. It really hurt. Yeah. Cause you know, I you mean, prepare yourself to go three of four and get the Jags winning yeah. wrong, but yeah, there we go. You, you knew that risk going into it, but at least you're not like one of the, the people that bet for Dallas to boost the odds and be like, this is an easy one. Of course, Dallas is going to win. And then that, they lose. That felt good. They got shut out. I don't care what the score says. They got shut out. It was garbage time. They really, if they stayed shut out, that would have been the first time they lost, like, on the scorecard. It would have been the first time they were shut out at home in over 30 years. When was the last time they were shut out? I don't know, but that's at home specifically. Oh, okay. Yeah. In 30 years. So, I wished it was zero so I could have sent out a tweet just laughing at it. But I'm still laughing. It was really, really enjoyable to watch that game. Um, especially really as a, as especially as a fan of the only team that won in the division this week. So what can I say? I mean, honestly, that was the best Eagles game that I've watched all season. I mean, like, yeah, yeah we won two games, but like this game was actually enjoyable and was competitive and we ran the ball. It was great. It was a good time. I had a good time, you know. I know. I fine. mean, they did. They looked pretty good. I, I honestly didn't expect. Like, I knew they were going to do well. I mean, they have been doing fairly well. I, d- I didn't expect them to put up that much of a fight, though. Like, it was a fight down to the last minute. So. Oh, I absolutely. Appreciate, I appreciate watching good football, and that was just a good, good football game. But we'll get started. We have a lot to talk about today, so we're going to jump into it the same way we always do with our injury report, starting with our quarterbacks. It came out this week that Sam Darnold has an incomplete fracture to his scapula, which is your shoulder blade, and he'll miss four to six weeks around that range. Um, And he will be benched for P.J. Walker is his backup. Former XFL legend P.J. Walker, specifically. I know. Big, big XFL guy. A lot of depth here. NFL. Did you say big X-Buckeye? Big XFL guy. Oh, XFL guy. I was like, that had nothing to do with Ohio State, but thank you for clarifying. (laughs) I can't hear today. 
Jesus, yeah, I can tell. this is going to be good. I couldn't speak last week. You can't hear this week. It's Perfect. always a really good time here. At least those two things aren't happening on the same week because that would have been a disaster. And we would have had to stop the show like 10 we minutes. We really on. would have. Um, next up, Baker Mayfield got a cut on his knee. Um, he missed a few snaps, came back into the game. He was quoted saying, quote, it's just a flesh wound, so I he'll be it. fine. Um, Trevor Lawrence has a right low ankle sprain. He's considered day to day. He did finish out the game. It looked pretty gnarly. I didn't expect him to come back in the game. He did consider day to day. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, got hurt. His leg hurt during a roughing the passer penalty. He told reporters after the game that he's fine. A little bit of soreness, but that's about it. Kyler Murray ended up not playing in week nine because of a high ankle sprain. And there's a lot of talk again from beat reporters that he may miss this week too. I think that's something to really keep an eye on. Especially He hasn't been, he has not been back to practice yet uh, as of Wednesday when we're recording this. Yep. So that's that, that you really have to keep an eye on. Wide receivers, Gunner, I really don't know how to pronounce his last name. Also, Zuski, um, he's the main punt returner for the Patriots. He suffered a head injury. He left the game early. He's one of, like, three guys who suffered a head injury during the Patriots game. Chase Claypool suffered a toe injury. He was set to have an MRI yesterday, but I hadn't seen any updates on that yet. DeAndre Hopkins also missed week nine with an ankle injury. He's considered day-to-day, but it's looking a lot more hopeful for him to come back this week. Although he still has not practiced. Yes. As well Um, as Kyler Murray. Yeah, the big test for that, like I said last week, will be tomorrow. Um, A lot of guys will miss practice on Wednesdays or up until Wednesdays if it's something a little bit more serious. Thursdays is usually the day to gauge those um, how serious injuries are. Antonio Brown is coming off of a bye week, but he's – was seen a few days ago still in a walking boot, but as of today, he had shed that walking boot. He's still pretty probable to miss this week, but it looks like he's he's um on trending upwards. Some people, I didn't see the video, but some people were talking about a video posted of him during his rehab that said you could tell something was still a little bit off, um, and that was kind of the, the talk of his injury. But it's looking up. It's you know we were you and I were questioning the seriousness of that that there may be a pretty lengthy stay um, off the field, but it's looking a lot better. DJ Moore got hit pretty hard and suffered a rib contusion during the game. He's considered day to day as well. Uh, and I will say, going back to the Broncos for a second, I think AB's injury takes even uh, takes on a bigger impact with the news that Chris Godwin was added to the injury report today with a foot injury. Um, yeah. Kind of came out of nowhere, and he also might with, miss this week. So they might be down both Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. Yeah, they did sign Brashad Perryman, which kind of adds to the fact that they needed a little bit more depth. Um, yeah. They were talking about how they we're probably going to leave him on practice squad for the week and then possibly pull him up before the game, depending on how those two injuries play out for this week. Yeah. I think we'll be seeing uh, young guys, Tyler Johnson, and maybe even rookie Jalen Darden, hopefully stepping up into taking a more significant role in the offense, which would be cool. So I would be really excited to watch Jalen Darden. I think that would be great. Well, I would be Um, excited to watch Tyler Johnson. So, yeah. Uh, running backs, Chase Edmonds suffered a high ankle sprain, will miss multiple weeks, out likely four to six games. This was on the first play. Was it the first play of the game? It was definitely the first drive. Um, yeah, it was one of the first. I think it might have been his first snap. First, yeah. That's bad. Not great. Um, I'm pretty sure he's expected to go on IR. James Conner ended up taking over and scoring a touchdown. 
So good for James Conner, bad for Chase Edmonds. He has the most touchdowns in the league right now, James Conner does. Yeah, crazy. Zach Moss was ruled out with a concussion listed as week to week, not day to day. So it's all going to depend on how he goes through protocol. Damian Harris um, and Ramondre Stevenson. So this now makes three Patriots out with a head injury. Both of them left the game early with a head injury, and both of them are in concussion protocol. I didn't see Ramondre Stevenson's hit, but I saw Damian Harris's one. Did not look good. That looked like it really hurt. Yeah. Then again, they all look like they would hurt me. So They do. They do. And, man, I had a concussion, a really bad one. Th- those stink. Me too. Did you? I got it at an Eagles game. No way. Were you I r- I, I, no. Well, I was. I was playing football in the parking lot, and I ran into a steel girder. Okay, I can't even say anything because my bad concussion came from passing out into a brick wall. So That's worse than mine, and I don't normally hear stories that are worse than my concussion story. Listen, I was at the beach. I was at the beach when I lived in Hawaii. I went alone, and I was dehydrated, and I stood up, and then I was a little bit dizzy, so I sat back down, and I stood up, and I felt fine, and I walked away, and then I was, like, rinsing off my feet, and I think the cold water, like, shocked my body, and... To, that I was dehydrated and then I passed out into a brick wall. No one's going to feel bad for you when you start a story off when I lived in Hawaii. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, running backs. True. true. Running backs. Devontae Booker suffered a hip contusion. He's listed as week to week. He was seeing after the game saying he felt pretty good post game. Giants are on a bye week, so he probably won't miss time, but will rescind some of his work because Saquon Barkley is expected back in week 11 post Giants bye. Um, I still see Devontae Booker being, you know, a backup and some relief for Saquon, but I don't see him being as fantasy viable as he was in um, previous weeks. He was pretty fantasy viable this week. I mean, I don't think you're really going to want to start the backup running back for the Giants because you barely really want to start the starting running back. No, for that offense, I agree. So I agree. But the other thing a is, if a lot of backup. people picked up Devontae Booker um, after the Saquon injury news. By the way, did I even tell you I got my first Saquon Barkley in fantasy football because somebody in my home league dropped him? I have a friend that dropped what? Saquon Barkley. I called him a moron. Yeah. Shout out, I, Bub. This <laughs> shout out, Bub. This was during uh by Mageddon, and he my league mate dropped him, I guess, because they were really suffering and maybe thought they were gonna be able to get him back, and they didn't because I was ahead of them in the waiver wire. Anyway, keep going. Adam Kamara did not practice today because of a knee injury. I don't think this is too serious. All the reports seem to be like he was taking a day off, a little bit of a knee soreness. Ezekiel Elliott suffered a knee contusion. He had it wrapped and had a hot pack on um, during the game. He said to reporters he's been dealing with a knee injury for some time now. He's listed as day-to-day. It's unclear if the knee injury he was talking about has anything to do with the knee injury from the game, like if it was a flare-up. But he's listed as day-to-day and not week-to-week, so it doesn't seem too bad. Darrell Henderson. Oh, Tony Pollard is the guy he split snaps with. So if it's anything serious, Tony Pollard's there. Both of them, I won't even call Tony Pollard a backup because they've kind of been sharing a lot of the work. So Darrell Henderson left the game with an ankle injury but returned to play, so that's not too serious. For tight ends, Albert O suffered a knee injury and did not return. He came into the game after being on the injury report that week as limited with any injury so it seems like that was a, a flare-up it doesn't seem too serious but it doesn't also it doesn't seem kind of just throw it to the wind so that's something to keep an eye on johnny smith suffered a shoulder injury he left the game early it was found out to be a sprain of his ac joint so 
Uh, Caden Smith got a concussion and was ruled out for the rest of the game. For O-line and defense, I have two big ones. Patrick Sertan III suffered a knee injury and left the game early. And Darius Slay suffered a hamstring injury and did not return. And for the best part of the injury report is the good news. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is designated to return from IR, as is Chris Carson. They're both slated to come back. Um, As always, I'll tell you that coming off of IR means you have a 21-day window in which you can be activated to the active roster. So they may not play this week, but they can. George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey both came back this week. Noah Fant is coming off of the COVID list, and Mike White is back and better than ever and is expected to start this week. I'm excited for the Mike White experience to return. I, the Mike White experience is amazing. Unfortunately, so against a buff, it's against Buffalo, but I mean, they did just lose to the Jags. So. It's it's fair. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's a good point. Um, Wait, oh my god! I I one thing I before we jump into anything else, one thing I wanted to say is I sent it in our Unjoppables thing, but there's this streak. Okay, there's two streaks going on actually that I want to talk about before we get in. There's just two streaks. One, there's a curse. There is the uh, Manning cast curse. Yeah. Every player that has been this this is news, by the way. So I mean it helps you kind of set your fantasy lineups and look at who you want to sports bet. But there's a Manning cast, obviously, clearly. Anybody knows about it. Um the players that are on Manning cast for the week, the next week their team loses the game. Every single one of them. You killed that sentence. That was great. Yeah, it really I, we're not doing well with speaking lately. We'll figure it out. Um, the second one is another streak. The team that wins their Monday night matchup has won their following game since week 14 of last season. I didn't know that one. That's very yeah. interesting, actually. Really crazy. It was actually the reason I chose the Saints to beat the Bucks in one of my parlays because – since week 14 of last week, that's a really long streak, and it's still going. Um, this week, the Steelers won, so it would be something to look at if the Steelers are going to win this week. But, yeah, that streak is still alive. Good to know. Right? Okay. Now I'm good with my two interesting fun facts that I wanted to jump into before we get into And uh, a little bit more of news uh, is the official release of Odell Beckham Jr. from the Cleveland Browns. And uh, he is supposedly still deciding between a couple teams. The favorites right now, it seems to be between four teams for the most part. The Saints, the Packers, the Chiefs, and the Patriots. Um, If you had to take a guess, who would you say he signs with? He has said a lot of times he really wants to be with a contender. I could see him going to the Chiefs. I could see the Chiefs taking it. But honestly, I don't doubt that the Patriots are making a really strong push. Um, I, I really don't know, though, because even Devontae Adams was like, we've reached, I've reached out to him. We, I would love to have him here. There's a place for him here. I would probably say the Patriots, but they're not as much of a contender. They're still contending, but I don't know, probably the Patriots. They're, they've been pretty good these past couple they weeks, have. so we'll give them that. Especially with Buffalo losing, they have a clear path. Yeah, I. it's funny. The, the, the favorites seem to be the Saints from all the reports we've been getting, but I'd put them as my... I, if I was Odell Beckham Jr., they would probably be my last option. I mean, I, I think if you're trying to win right now, the Packers make a ton of sense. Um, the Patriots are obvious. I mean, it's the Patriots, so there's just a sense of, you know, you're always going to have a chance to win if you go there, unless it's last year, but it's not. Um, and then obviously a chance to play with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Um, they have, like, they need, I think, 
adding that second really, really good wide receiver would give them something they haven't really had. Um, and I don't think Tyree Kill needs to be an overly, you know, uh, like a target monster. So it would be interesting to have kind of a different role on that offense. Uh, it's not really, you know, they, their role doesn't necessarily have to overlap. So I don't know. I'm going to go with the Packers, but. Uh, yeah, and I think with the Chiefs too, it's like we've seen time and time again that having a good second, you know, level of wide receiver helps alleviate the pressure from like wide receiver ones. So having a good wide receiver two improves outcomes for wide receiver ones. So if the Chiefs have someone like OBJ, who seems like he still has it, still has a lot of good left in him, um, then I think it would help kind of get Tyreek Hill out of this little bit of a rut that he's been feeling. Um, so having him on the Chiefs could be really beneficial for the Chiefs and for Tyreek Hill. I'm probably going to go with the Patriots as my favorite. The thing, yeah, the Saints being the favorite is a little strange to me. I mean, obviously they have no one, one if he goes yeah. there. So that I think that's probably why everyone's saying that. But uh, but yeah, moving on. Uh, what is our next uh, segment? What is the first thing we're really talking about today? We're going to talk about the rookie report. So we have done an episode before where we talked about a rookie report involving only quarterbacks. But today we're going to look at, I think we have six, one, two, three, four, five, six rookies. We're kind of going to analyze how they're doing, what they're, what they're looking like, see what the best rookie we like so far this year out of our list. So we could jump right into it. The first one we have is Rashad Bateman, who missed a lot of the early weeks due to a groin injury that he sustained during preseason um but he now has on the year 12 receptions for 12 receptions on 19 targets for 161 yards and no touchdown yet he's averaging 13.4 yards per reception yeah um he's been really just kind of exactly what i think a lot of people thought he was going to be coming out of the draft obviously like he hasn't I, i don't think he's had like that huge massive breakout game he did have 80 yards against cincinnati which was awesome but he hasn't even played 70 for percent of snaps yet and part of that's definitely you know learning the offense coming back from the injury that um derailed the beginning of his season a little bit but um Lamar is balling out right now he's throwing I think as well as we've really seen him do in his career uh the the Ravens are kind of a bit of a mess on the running side of the ball with obviously the exception of Lamar uh with the exception of the quarterback Lamar. Uh, So I think between Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman, you all of a sudden have a very scary wide receiving core. Yeah. When in the past, it's been like a very scarily bad wide receiving core. Um, So he's been a very smart player. He's been a very effective route runner. Uh, He got eight targets last week and his most receptions with five. So I'm really excited to see what he can do in the upcoming weeks and to finish out the season as he gets the NFL more under his feet. And obviously is a great matchup coming this week against Miami Um, and a couple good matchups to end the season. So it's going to be really, really interesting. I agree. He's proving himself to be a pretty good, well, I mean, the entire time we expect him to be a pretty good, um, deep ball catcher, which is great. I think I could, we can see that um, starting to come to fruition a little bit more. Um, and I think that will be something we see in the coming weeks, especially against defenses like Miami. Um, Mark Andrews has kind of taken over the red, a lot of the red zone work as is Lamar himself, but I could see Rashad Bateman being used in the red zone. Rashad Bateman seems to be like a very good, well-rounded receiver, which is awesome. Rashad Bateman was one of my favorite rookies coming out of the draft. Um, favorite one of my favorite rookie receivers coming out of the draft 
Um, so I'm really excited. I think he's so fun to watch. That's, you know, like we talk, I say it all the time that I just genuinely love watching football. So being able to see a player like him on my TVs is one of my favorite things. He's so fun to watch. Um, all of his interviews are awesome. And I don't know, I, I, the, one of the crazy fun facts from this last game is that 11 of his receptions through, through his 11 receptions, all 11 of them went for a first down. I don't know how that finished in the rest of the game, but all of his 11, his first 11 receptions went for a first down, which was pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that just, that sounds exactly kind of the role that he's going to play in this offense, at least to start with Hollywood Brown being a burner and, um, you know, Mark Andrews kind of owning that middle of the field. Rashad Bateman is just a wide receiver with good size, good speed, and he knows how to get open. And I think that's, uh, that's exactly what Lamar needs on that offense and is a very, very good compliment to, um, to honestly both Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews. It's cool to see them with a full fledge of weapons that cover a lot of different areas. Yep. Rashad Bateman ran a 448-40, so he is pretty fast. Um, He's played three – I don't think we mentioned he's played three games total, um, averaging 9.4 fantasy games – fantasy points per game. And he has a pretty decent-sized air yards. He has 168 air yards on the season. Yeah, and I only expect that to go up. I mean, I think he's going to just help the offense grow. He's going to help Lamar grow as a passer a little bit more, and um, he's going to help get Hollywood and uh, Mark Andrews open. So I'm excited to see uh, the second half of the year is almost always good for rookie wide receivers as they adjust to the game and their quarterbacks adjust um, to them. So he's a guy that I'm keeping an eye on both in fantasy and just in the real NFL. And just um, I expect to excel in the second half of the season as Lamar kind of tries to keep up his what might possibly be another MVP season. So, yep. Um, on to the next. I think I'm going to actually skip over this one and go to the next one. Um, we'll go to that one after. But Elijah Moore, who has 22 receptions on 40 targets for 230 yards and two touchdowns. Playing for the Jets. Yeah. I guess Mike White unlocked him. Um yeah. Obviously, he started the season playing a lot of the snaps and then got injured, I believe, in week three. Um, And he was out for a little bit. He was kind of struggling with that injury. I think even when he was playing, he still wasn't really himself. He was still uh, struggling to stay on the field and struggling to be effective on the field. Um, But apparently all it took was a little bit of Mike White. And obviously, he only played 36% of the snaps against Cincy uh, in week eight. But he had six targets and six receptions uh, for 67 yards. Um, And then last week against Indianapolis with, um, God, I don't even remember who the backup after Mike White was when he got injured. Um, But he was able to go for over 84 yards and two or over 80 yards and two touchdowns on seven receptions. So he's finally looking like the guy that he was when he came out, which is just a really, really, really good wide receiver. You know, he doesn't have exceptional size he doesn't have you know like he's not a burner he just is a guy that understands the game of football um and i really hope that zach wilson can figure out how to use him when he gets back on the field because he's only going to make his life easier i completely agree he is another one that's pretty well-rounded um he's also had a, a decent sized area it's 430 in seven games played um i think mike white was exactly what he needed i don't know what wasn't clicking though with um the first few weeks of the season with Zach Wilson. Um, I think it may just be that Zach Wilson is, has not come into his own yet. And Mike White probably has a little bit more. Mike White has 
been in the um, NFL longer. I think that probably has a lot to do with it. And Zach Wilson was relying on more veterans, but watching him play has been so fun. He was exactly what you said. He's been proving himself to be what he was touted to be um, coming out of the NFL draft, which is really cool. Um, A lot of people compared him, you know, even player profile player profiler has him most comparable to Tyler Lockett. And I do see that in kind of their style of play too, but yeah, he, he, the past two weeks has been a lot of fun to watch. He was trying to find his, I'll, I'll find it a little bit, but yeah. Anything else you have to add? No, I mean, just that, you know, it, it's nice to see these guys that had a rough start to the season. Uh, those two being the best examples of injuries. It's just nice to see them uh, go out there and ball out. I mean, Obviously, two very different situations, one being a very competitive team and a very you know high-powered offense, and the other one being a very uncompetitive team and a very low-powered offense, if that's even a term. But uh, it's just nice to see them ball out, and you have to feel a little bit... Uh, you have to feel good for the young guys to be able to get out there and um, do what they're you know supposed to do. So, Yep. Pretty good. Um, on to the next one. What, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about him. Um, Eagles wide receiver Devontae Smith, 38 receptions on 60 targets for 537 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, God, he'd be so much better if Jalen Hurts was throwing the ball well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like Jalen Hurts, and I think every week he's growing a little bit. But, you know, we saw Devonta Smith do this past week what I think he's been able to do all season. Like, I, I think with a lot of times with rookie wide receivers, the things that they struggle with more so is getting open at this level and understanding, you know, route concepts and, uh, you know, how their route plays into the overall offensive uh, scheme or the play and how that, you know, how to approach the defense in certain ways. And especially when you're not a large man like Devonta Smith, like he's six foot, 170 pounds. I weigh more than him. I am a larger man than Novante Smith, which is just bizarre. Um, But that man understands how to run routes. He might already be one of the premier route runners in the entire NFL. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like a a very odd, and this is a comparison that was given earlier in the season, obviously to make Philadelphia fall in love with him. But uh, Nick Sirianni compared him, compared him running routes to Allen Iverson's crossover which if you're young and or you don't follow basketball and or you don't know who Allen Iverson is, just Google Allen Iverson crossover. He got Michael Jordan with it. He got every defender that's ever existed with it, and he was always open to take the shot afterward. Devonta Smith knows how to get open at this level. There's not a cornerback that can cover him consistently for a whole game. And if he can just get the ball in his hands, he's probably going to make a play. Um, there's been like, he's being littered with targets for most of the games this season and they haven't resulted in as many catches as they should be. And having seen all the games, it's mostly just Jalen hurts missing him. He's had a couple more drops than I think he was advertised to really come with, but that's going to happen. Uh, but this week, this past week, I think we finally saw the most complete game of his season, uh, with six, uh, six targets, five receptions, 116 yards and a touchdown. Um, that's his second game over a hundred receiving yards. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, he just, he looks like the kind of guy that's just going to age really well in the NFL because yeah. he doesn't depend on, you know, out muscling guys, even out speeding guys necessarily. He's just so, so crisp and he's such a technician and it's so fun to watch him play. And it's even more fun to watch the replays, even when he doesn't get the ball. Cause he's still open. 
Yeah. He is, that was one of his um, huge strengths coming out of the NFL draft was how he creates separation. And it's beautiful. I mean, he creates separation in all of the legal ways too in the NFL. Um, you know, he is very good at being adaptable on his routes too. He's very good at tricking corners often to go off of their assigned roles by the use of like his eyes and his body movements. It, like you said, he is a very well-rounded route runner, um, which leads to great success in the game. He has a 24% uh, of the team's targets. He's has 40.6% of the team's air yards. Um, and one of the craziest part is he only has a 61.3% catch rate, um, which is crazy, but yeah. He has he's sustaining 3.3 yards after the catch. He only has two drops on 62 targets. Um That's interesting. I feel like that's a little bit generous to be honest. Yeah, that's I don't, that I don't know how many it would be, but it feels like it's more than two. Yeah, that's that is from Rotowire has him at um two drops on on 62 targets at least. From that. But yeah. I mean it, it he I'm an Alabama fan as uh, literally everyone knows, but I loved him at Alabama and I won't be shy in saying I had, I had told you, I didn't think he was going to have the best rookie year. I saw him as being one of the ones that had a little bit of trouble um, adapting to the NFL and I am happy to be proven wrong. Um, And he's heavily, the only issues as most receivers are is heavily reliant on team scheme. And I think that has been a little bit of an issue because the Eagles have been trying to like find their own. Um, But he is doing better than I expected him to. I expected him to have a huge like second year breakout, not as good of a first year as he had. And I'm not ashamed to admit that, but I am very happy to be proven wrong. Yeah. I think the hope is just that he can be more consistent in his second year. I mean, he yes. walked into the NFL and he was able to run an entire route tree, which is just not yeah. something that rookies can do. It's just not something that many really can do. So um, yeah, it's just fun watching him. And I hope that he can, uh, um, you know, keep building off of especially this big game that he had last week. Obviously, he has a couple um a couple tough matchups coming up in Denver and New Orleans, but then the schedule really opens up in that end of the season stretch with a lot of games, uh, not only in, in New York, but uh also just against the NFCs as a whole. So he could have a I might be, we'll see. Um uh, but he might have a really, really strong end of the season. Um, if yeah. Jalen Hurts can figure it out. So that's the thing. And the, I didn't have him on the injury report because I actually didn't know about it, but he is listed as questionable with an elbow injury, but he's expected to play. This yeah. Week. It's, it, I think it's mainly precautionary. I, I don't, yeah. it's not something I'm worried about. So, yep. Um, on to the next Pittsburgh tight end, Pat, Pat Fryermuth. He has 27 receptions on 32 targets for 245 receptions and four TDs. Um, two of them came from last game. I actually predicted him to have a, game, a touchdown in that game, which I'm very proud of myself for. But why? Because I lost two different fantasy matchups oh. because of Pat Fryermuth. Who would have thought? Who Me. Thought? As soon as I saw it, I was like, I'm going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think he'd have a touchdown. I had him. I actually had him in most of my MVP spots on FanDuel because I was that confident in it. But yeah, so um, not a lot, very little. I'm very bad at DFS. Um, Good. I still haven't beaten you, so I know. So whatever. (laughs) It can be Uh, good at some things and bad at another. I'll get better at DFS. 
Yeah, I, I will say so. Pat Firemuth's um, like overall his stats are very misleading uh, because you look at the past two weeks, and I didn't do this beforehand, so I'm not going to try to do it now. But if you spread those out throughout an entire season, his stats are probably ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The past two weeks, he's had seven and six targets, four and five catches, over 40 yards in both, and three total touchdowns while playing over 70% of the snaps, which are the only two games of the season he's played that much. Part of that reason is definitely because of the absence of Eric Ebron. Um, but really, I think you can just see Pat Fryermuth truly coming into his own on this offense. And honestly, I think he's exactly what Ben Roethlisberger needs because Ben Roethlisberger cannot throw past like 20 yards with any accuracy whatsoever. Um, so, it, yeah. Because his average um, depth of target is six yards. That sounds like an offense where Najee Harris has had a game with over 10 receptions. So that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's cool to see Pat uh, the Muth uh, really, you know, breaking out because in any other year he would have been, you know, a darling, especially in the fantasy space is probably what would have been the number one tight end by a decent margin. Like he had a very, you know, he, he, he was a very good prospect coming out. Um, but obviously Kyle Pitts was a unicorn and a generational prospect, um, which always is yeah. just going to, make everyone else look worse understandably um but it's really cool to see pat fryermuth coming into his own um and it just like goes to show if pittsburgh can you know find an uh an answer at quarterback they have a lot of young talent to build around on offense yeah he was most often compared to a hunter henry type which i've seen a pretty decent amount um 9.1 yards per reception 217 air yards he's averaging 9.4 fantasy points per game um, I think, like you said, I think he's touted as a little bit less than as, as in the rookie tight end class because of Kyle Pitts, but he is someone I could see being just like a steady, reliant, um, go-to for a quarterback that either can't throw or if it was a rookie quarterback. And I could see him having a pretty, um, pretty good, I don't want to say great, a pretty ab- above average, um, tenure in the NFL as kind of just this good old reliable is kind of how I see him. Um, He does have a 3% drop rate, 4.1 yards after catch, which is a little bit low, um, but he has an 81.8% catch rate. So he's he's averaging um, 11.2% of team targets and 10% of team air yards. So, like I said, it's it's nothing, like, absolutely stellar. The, the first stat line we read reads as completely stellar. Like, 38 reception, uh, 27 receptions on 32 targets is pretty stellar. But, and the four TDs. But, again, two of those t- touchdowns came from this game. So, I think it's pretty reliable. Nothing that I would absolutely fawn over. But I'm excited to see him develop. Because I can see there's a lot of room for, the, for development with him. Um, and with that development, he could be stellar. You love the word stellar today. Um, I and also, it twice, just there. Used it a couple more times than twice. No, I, didn't. I think you did. I'll count afterward. Um, okay. Or if someone wants to rewind and check and put it in the comments. Now um, we need a Joe Judge counter and a stellar counter. Too many counters. Well, and Urban Meyer. Um, but yeah, Pat Fryer moves. He's not going to blow anyone away physically or anything. But, uh, you know, Jason Witten has a Hall of Fame career being not the most athletic guy in the world. We saw Zach Ertz do it for years, just getting peppered with targets because he knows how to get open. Um, Pat Fryermuth can absolutely, like no one's expecting him to be Gronk or anything, but he can absolutely have a uh, an above average NFL career and last a long time with his, uh, just the way that he plays. So it's a, 
it's cool. I'm excited to see uh, if uh, Big Ben can maybe get him the ball a little bit more. Um, but speaking of Big Ben, that brings us to our last guy, which is Najee Here's Harris. After Najee. Never mind, our second to last guy. Um, but first, we're going to go to Najee Harris, who is having a bit of a breakout campaign as a rookie on an offense where he is basically the only human being that runs the ball. Um, he's had one game with below 80% snap, and I believe it's one that he got injured in yeah. um, against Denver. But he's just, he's been incredible. Um, he's been incredible for fantasy. He's been incredible for the NFL. And I mean, he had a game with 19 targets and that's unheard of basically. So uh, what do you think about Najee Harris? Najee is touting, like allowing himself to make a run for um, offensive rookie of the year, which probably won't go to him, but he's, he's making a good case for himself. Um his runs are just awesome. A great amount of broken tackles. Um, very good at finding holes. I I'm excited to just kind of another another one of develop because if he's this good right now on a an offense that's relying on him pretty heavy as a rookie, um, I'm excited to see his future in the NFL because this is another one that could have an absolutely amazing um, career in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's on pace right now for uh, uh, over 300 attempts and over 100 targets on the season uh, and a little bit of over 80 receptions um, and should be around 600 receiving yards and over 1,000 rushing yards. Like, the numbers he's putting up are incredible. It's not the most efficient stuff in the world, but on this offense, it's pretty hard to be efficient uh, when I feel like the defense probably knows who is going to be sort of the first option to get a lot of touches. Um, and it's really him and it's Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool hasn't really gotten going due to Big Ben. And um, Pat Farmer is still, you know, a rookie tight end. So he he's, hasn't had the most efficient, but he's had just an incredible amount of volume and he's done a lot with it. Um, so, yeah, uh, I do agree that he'll probably be in the running for uh, offensive rookie of the year, but we'll see what happens. Guys like Jamar of- Chase might have something to say about that. Oh, yeah. And that's who we'll talk about next. But two of his receptions came on a receiving. That's interesting. Wait, what? Is that what I have here? I have two, four touchdowns rushing, two receiving. Oh, yes. Yeah, you said two yeah. of his receptions came on oh, receiving. Oh, sorry. I thought I, I said was, I meant touchdowns. Yeah, I think all of his receptions probably sense. came on receiving. Yeah, so um, he has two touchdowns, uh, two receiving touchdowns, four, four rushing, rushing yeah. touchdowns. And that's crazy because it's like like you said with the his projected end-of-year stats, those are numbers for like – a rookie receiver and run, running back he's he's yep. sustaining for two players is what it is like that's yeah. that's a receiver who is also playing running back it's crazy um he's an 11.3 percent broken tackle percentage which is the number of broken tackles divided by rush attempts um 83.3 percent positive run he just has like you know that that's the percent of run plays where he was able to gain a positive yardage, which is a really high number that that's a, that's a decent number for a rookie 2.2 yards after contact, which is pretty good. Um, you know, his, his receptions, the, the depth of target is pretty low, but again, that's, that's that not surprising favorite. at all. Yeah. He has 23.8 touches per game. You know, it, he is just holding up pretty steady numbers across the board. Um, and I am not surprised, honestly, he, is exactly what I expect him to be. And I am loving being able to watch it. Uh, and that'll bring us to our last guy, which is a uh, rookie phenom Jamar chase who might've finally 
uh, had his first, you know, quote unquote down game of the season really this past week. Um, but he has just been absolutely incredible. He has on the season seven touchdowns. He's averaging almost 20 yards per reception. Um, he's averaging over 10 yards per target and he's got 73 targets and 44 receptions so far. Um, for 835 yards, he almost has eclipsed like he, he's on pace right now to go over uh, 1600 yards, which is just ridiculous. Um, and we'll, we'll see if it really, you know, we'll see if it stay if it stays that way, because the Bengals have been slowing down as of late. Uh, but they have a bye week this week to hopefully figure that some of that stuff out. Uh, but Chase is coming off probably his two worst games of the season. But the amount of targets he's getting and the chemistry that he has with his, uh, his college quarterback, Joe Burrow, is very clear. Um, and uh, it has just been incredible to watch. I mean, especially after an offseason of, I think, panic about the fact that he uh, is not adjusting to an NFL ball. Yeah. He has no white lines. That's why I can't catch one either, Jamar. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. his numbers are crazy. He's 25.7% of team targets, 41% of team air yards. He's averaging 105 air yards a game, two air yards a snap, um, a 13.1% average depth of target, which is awesome. So he's being targeted more on long balls. Um, what else? His catch rate is 60.3 and his drop rate's 11. So catch rate is the number of catches made divided by the number of times he was targeted by the quarterback and the drop rate is number of passes he dropped um, on targets. So the drop rate's a little bit high. The catch rate's a little bit, uh, like you know, the percentage is a little bit high, but it is nothing compared to the numbers he's putting up. It, the touchdowns were crazy. I mean, like you saw that the first weeks and you're like, this is not sustainable. And then it's been sustainable. Like, yeah, it feels it, like they hit on one deep touchdown every single week. Yeah. It really does feel like that. They, they really do. Or at least one, there was one what, last week that, and that was a deep should have been touchdown and ended on yeah. the one yard line. Yep. Um, yeah. It's crazy. I think him uh, being with Joe Burrow is a match made in heaven. And I mean, we all kind of saw that coming, but not to this extent. And watching him has been has made for nothing but fun football. Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably the outright favorite to win offensive rookie of the year, yeah. especially with the way that uh, most of the rookie quarterbacks are struggling this season. Um, mm-hmm. Typically, it's a it's a it's a quarterback award. It almost always gets uh, it almost always goes to them just because I mean, not even Jeff- Justin Jefferson won it last year yeah. and he broke records. Uh, maybe Jamar Chase breaks those records again, um, but it seems like Justin Jefferson's college teammate might get the award that he couldn't um, because he's just been electric. It's been insane. Um, But yeah, that'll, uh, that'll uh, finish us out for uh, our rookie report. Um, Yeah. Those were just some of the, I think the, I mean, we mostly focused on receivers, uh, but also with Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth. but it's just fun to look at. We've talked about a lot of rookies. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, but so now uh, the last thing we're going to talk about is we're going to take a look at the coaches around the league, having officially uh, now been at the halfway mark of the season. Um, I think we have a much clearer idea than we did a couple weeks ago about the status of certain coaches and how safe their job is. Um, so what we did before the show was we looked at all 32 head coaches, 
Um, and we just basically kind of put them in categories of green, yellow, and red. Green being they're safe, not worried about it. Uh, yellow being, you know, maybe their their seats starting to warm up a little bit, and red obviously being, you know, they're pretty, they're very much in danger of losing their head coaching job. Um, and then we have Greg Olson in the purple because it's not really his job. Yeah, exactly. It's not often that you see uh, the um, uh, the head coaches, interim head coaches, keep their head coaching job after the end of the season. Um, so yeah, so we're not even going to talk about the guys that we put in green. Um, I don't even know if we have them listed anywhere to we don't say. Them. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so we're just going to start by talking about some of the yellow uh, the yellow coaches, and I know that. Ashton, I don't necessarily agree on all of these, so it'll be interesting to just ha- kind of have the conversation. We're going to spend a little bit of time on each of them and uh, go from there. Yep. And our first one is starting out with Carolina Panthers head coach, Matt Rule. Um, his overall record with the Panthers is 9-16, and 16, and this was one of the ones we actually disagreed on. I had Matt Rule in red as his seat is burning hot, and you had him more in yellow. Um, so tell us why about why you thought it was more yellow yeah i mean it's his second season obviously sam donald has been bad and sure you can put some of that on matt rule but i think it's also on the front office to you know they brought him in they traded the draft capital for him um it's not working and that's fine it is what it is it's nice if they took the shot um but i think first of all they knew who they were hiring and they knew what kind of rebuild that they had to do when they hired him uh they paid him a lot of money there it was actually a pretty big deal when I believe new Panthers owner hired Matt Rule, who was wanted by a couple teams, including your New York Giants, uh, to be the new head coach. They paid him a lot of money, more than they normally give to first-time head coaches, and other owners apparently were pretty upset about that. Um, so I, I, I think that they truly, I think that the owner is actually very patient. I think they know what they signed up for, and Matt Rule has a good history of turning around programs and really you know, building them from the ground up. And I think the defense shows you that because they had one of the league's worst defenses the past two years. And this year it's one of the league's best. And that's without their first round pick um, because they've just drafted a lot of really good defensive players. Um, and it's been very well coached. So I, I I would be very, very surprised to see them fire Matt rule after only two years, because in all honesty, I think he's a very good coach and, um, if they can just find a quarterback for him, I, I think that this program is very much ready to explode. Yeah, I I don't know. I think taking the risk on the Sam Darnold experiment, um, obviously it was not all his and his alone, but I don't know. Starting out on a 3-0 and start, now on a six-game losing streak, and I understand Christian McCaffrey wasn't there, but it – doesn't bode well for him I think unless this team starts making a serious um comeback and I'm not saying like playoff contention comeback but making a a pretty good run at winning games here then the conversation is going to be had on do we keep rule or not um I think you can have patience with a head coach that's only been here for two years for so long until you have to start looking at your future and with a new quarterback you know if we're going to get a new quarterback do we want to have uh matt real stick around while we get a new quarterback i understand your reasoning but it's not as if it's like an and this is just the first one that comes to mind it's not like it's an eli manning situation where they have mm-hmm. that veteran quarterback that's been there for a while like it matt rule hasn't had a franchise quarterback like they took a shot on teddy bridgewater great they took a shot on sam darnold great that's fine pj walker is also going to be the starter for the next like four to six weeks so yeah. 
I think they could lose out and Matt Rule would still be fine. I don't even think that they would really come close to firing him because, like, can you really blame him for losing that many games with Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker? And, and I love P.J. Walker, big XFL guy, but can you really blame him? Really? Yeah. I mean, the offenses look pretty discombobulated, so a little bit. I mean, if Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker were my starting quarterbacks, I think most offenses probably. I mean, look at the rest of Sam Darnold's career. So, um, Anyway, on to the next. Got to make a crunch for time here. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals coach Zach Taylor, whose overall record with Cincinnati is 11-21-1. I didn't have him in the yellow. I kind of had him in the green, but you liked yellow. So we're starting out with two of, I think, our only two disagreements. But tell us why. Yeah, I, so I think, uh, and I think the big difference with him and Matt Rule is now Zach Taylor's in his second year with Joe Burrow. Um, and obviously he didn't have Joe Burrow for the entirety of last year, but this is what, his third or fourth season as that coach? Fourth season? I think third. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just... 21 and one, what are those numbers add up to? Oh God, that's too much math for right now. But uh, either way, um, I think what it really comes down to is that if we don't see this offense really, really take off in the second half of the season, like Zach Taylor was supposed to be, you know, the next McVay, um, you know, just like everyone was supposed to be the next McVay. And I think that coach in the NFL, you should be the next McVay. Exactly. Um, But he was that young, hot, popular coach that everybody wanted. And he went there. Um, You get Joe Burrow. And I don't like this offense has been strangely inconsistent uh, in his entire tenure in particular, Um, but also just in his time with Joe Burrow. Like, I mean, like we said, yeah, Jamar Chase is playing outstanding. Um, At times, this offense looks to really, really be rolling. But at other times, it just looks very discombobulated and, I think that's the big thing is now we've seen Joe Burrow with this head coach for two years. And I think of a guy like Joe Brady, who I, I, I forget if we're going to talk about it at the end, but Joe Brady's a very, you know, he is another the next McVay. He's a young, smart, rising head coach. He was also the offensive coordinator for that Joe Burrow led LSU team yeah. uh, a couple years ago. Um, he's the offensive coordinator. He was a very hot offensive coordinator choice for Matt rule in Carolina um, so I wouldn't be shocked to see them just kind of say, okay, Zach Taylor's not working out, but we know we have the guy in Joe Burrow. We know we have the pieces around him in Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T Higgins. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked to see them make a somewhat drastic move after three or four years, depending on how many years it's been, because I clearly can't remember, uh, with Zach Taylor. So this is the third. Yeah. I, I could also just very well see this team has looked really really well this year um i wouldn't say really well but pretty good um i could see him sticking around i don't know how many years are on his contract or anything that's probably something we should have had in the it group, doesn't matter contracts yeah. don't matter yeah. for head coaches because it yeah, doesn't but still it's okay maybe one more year i think they i could i could see him sticking around after this year giving him another year absolutely yeah i i don't think he's at all you know there's a reason i haven't like i think he's a yellow yeah. um but yeah sorry moving on yeah Next is Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, whose overall record for the team is 69 and 55. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the seat's always a little bit warm with Mike Zimmer, um, yeah. but the Vikings don't really seem to care. I just, they don't yeah. strike me as a team that is ever going to make the big change until they make all of them at once. Uh, so maybe if we see, but Kirk still has time left on his fully guaranteed contract. So, 
Um, I don't know. I don't see it happening. I think there's always a possibility because they've underperformed a lot this year. Um, they've lost every close game that's ever existed somehow, as the Vikings love to do. Um, but at the same time, I just don't get the feeling that he's going to be fired. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's, like I said, it, it's the Vikings. I they're they're a little underperforming, but it's the Vikings, and like it, they kind of have a blind spot for Mike Zimmer. I really don't have too much to add. I, I see him sticking around after this year. But the next one is Philadelphia Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni, who's in his first year with the Eagles, whose current record is three and six. Yeah, I have him in the yellow. It yeah. doesn't feel right to have him in the yellow. Um, I think a lot of people want him to be in the red, especially yeah. around here, because he didn't run the ball, and now that's all he does. Granted, I think all that he's doing is probably the right choice. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I'd be I'd be very shocked to see the Eagles give up on Nick Sirianni unless there's some large collapse in the second half of the season. But Jeffrey Lurie is a very smart owner. He has a very, very good track record of coaches, um, of coaching hires. You know, obviously Andy yeah. Reid was a no-name until – Jeffrey Leary hired him. Uh, he was the one to lure Chip Kelly out of the college game, and that worked for a minute. Um, and then Doug Peterson was a no one when he hired him. So, uh, And he won a Super Bowl franchises first. So I'll be shocked if he's fired. Um, I think it would take a very, very large collapse in the second half for Jeffrey Leary to yep. do something that extreme. I completely agree. I think a first-year quarterback with a uh, first-year head coach with a quarterback who's like, in his first real year, you know, still like with starting, I, I don't see them really making a change. Um, and I, I don't think he's doing as bad as a lot of people think, especially Philadelphia fans, but I think it's bad. I don't think it's absolutely horrid. It's, Gannon, Gannon, the defensive coordinator has been worse. Yes, um, completely agree. He's been in over his head. And I will say, the same exact discourse was there for none other than Doug Peterson. Everyone, myself, and I was about 50-50 on it, but wanted him gone after his first year. He won a Super Bowl the following season. So yep. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Um, something else you have been saying is about Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll, whose overall record with the team is 159, 109, and 1. Um, and you and I have had the conversation on and off screen about Pete Carroll kind of needing to figure out what he wants to do. To oh, he knows what he wants to do. Around. He knows what he wants to do. You use the quote um, that he is the only one who has the keys to unlock the kitchen to let Russ cook. So it's a pretty good quote. I have it clipped. But oh, thank what you. do you think? Um, I don't think he's going to get fired. No. I think that he will be there for at least three Ever. years after <laughs> Russell Wilson. Um, or yeah, basically like, I think he actually came out like last week and he's like, yeah, the only reason I have a job right now is because of Russell Wilson. I would have lost my yeah. job years ago. And it's like, yeah, dude, literally you know. like you, we you should have lost your job because of Russell Wilson. Yep. And I think they made it clear this off season that like that franchise will not do what it takes to make Russell Wilson very happy because once again, there's trade rumors and there's talk that he'll leave in this off season. And I think if you really want to shut them up, you fire Pete Carroll because Russ wants to throw the ball. Pete Carroll does not. There is a clear disagreement, and the Seattle Seahawks have sided with Pete Carroll. And he's a good coach, but he's not that good. You should not be picking him over Russell Wilson. Heck, I will go coach the team, and you know what I'll do? I will hand Russell the playbook, and I'll say, go ahead. Cook. I will give him the keys to the kitchen, and I will just Cook. stand there. 
like yeah. it's fine but he's not getting fired because the seahawks are no. morons no yeah i i don't i see him growing old with the seattle seahawks organization he's already and, old uh, he is old but growing older i actually saw a tiktok of him with um all of his clips from the last game there he's very funny but not a great coach and that's another he's one where funny. i think the um defensive coordinator has been done has done astronomically worse than the head coach has so i could see the defense coordinator getting fired but next yeah. in the yellow san francisco 49ers head coach kyle shanahan with an overall record of 34 and 41 oh you mean the next mcveigh the next mcveigh yeah he might have been the first i forget if he was hired before next. mcveigh um but no, I, I think he's in yellow because I think it deserves taking a hard look at him. But I think they've made a lot of I think they have a lot of stuff going on in that organization that they need to figure out. There's clearly some type of disconnect between what the front office wants to draft and what Kyle Shanahan wants on his team. Um, because you look at a guy like Trey Sermon, who was drafted in the third round, who can't see the field and a guy like Elijah Mitchell being drafted in the sixth round, who is all of a sudden their franchise running back. He franchised with a very large asterisk, but um they're the closest thing I have to a workhorse running back. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan thinks he's smarter than he is. I think he's very smart and I think he's very good at his job, but I think he now is trying to outsmart everyone and he doesn't need to. Um, but I, I, I think the decision to draft uh, Trey Lance was probably heavily influenced by Kyle Shanahan. And I think for that reason, uh, we won't see him gone until he yeah. gets at least like two full seasons with Trey Lance. So I, I don't think he's gone anytime soon. I completely agree. And I think taking a look at Shanahan is more so taking a look at everyone around him. I yes. think is at least how I perceive that to be. And our last one in the yellow is Washington football team head coach Ron Rivera, whose overall record with the team is 88 and 83. Pretty close to even. Wait, that's not his record with the Washington football team. Oh, is that his record with another team? Because it broke it down by team. I might have wrote down the other with the other team. Oh, yeah, that's the Panther. I mean, he's only been there for not two full seasons, so I really okay, hope there we he, go. So that's, that's got to be the Panthers. the Panthers. In case you're curious, that's just a little yeah. fun fact. Um, um, so I can't tell you his head, his full record. I deleted the. Uh, the that's fine. Um, he had a good year, and now he's having a bad Great year. Great year, bad year. Um, yeah, I don't I think he's getting know. fired. Uh, he no. might deserve it as a as a literal football coach, but as a person, this this franchise is just an absolute chaos. And he is the only sustainable. Yeah, he's he's the yeah. best thing about that franchise. So he's not going anywhere. They are going to ride it out with him for the foreseeable future until there is some sort of semblance of normalcy in that franchise yeah. because he is the only thing keeping them afloat in any way, shape, or form. So I, I, I don't think he's gone, even if a normal franchise might be looking to maybe move on. Yeah, and from everything we've heard, he's a really good locker room guy. He's a really good leader. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's something that this organization really, really needs is good people. Um, so I think they're he, keeping good people around. He is nine and 15. Rivera Thank is the Washington football team. Thank you, Bub. Thank Shout out, Bub. You. He was the Thanks, idiot Bob. who dropped uh, Saquon Barkley. Why'd you so. do that? Because do he's again. a moron. Um, all right. Into a very, very hot seat. Pants on fire. Um, Chicago Bears head coach, Matt Aggie. Overall record with the Bears, 31 and 28. Disaster. Like, Just fire him. I don't know. I, I don't know if they will because the Bears are seemingly morons. Are the Bears. But God, if they just want to save Justin Fields' career before it even starts, just fire him. Keep Matt Nagy away from him. Um, another Look, what happened when they kept him away with him from COVID? It was his best game of the season, and then he yeah. followed it up with another good one. So yep. 
Yeah, just please keep him. Just fire him. He does not. There's no reason he deserves to be there. He has not shown a look of good coaching since his first season with them. And since then, he's still Andy Dalton. Well, yeah, I hate hate Matt Nagy. Um, Yeah, just fire him. I don't know if they will because they're idiots, but his his seat, I think, is probably the hottest in the entire NFL. I completely and I don't think it's close. Nope. Um, on to the next, a uh, fairly newer hot seat, I think. Dallas Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy, overall record with Dallas, 147-97-2. Yeah, I'm, so I was surprised that there is this much conversation surrounding him, honestly. Like, I, I know, I want to hear what you have to say about him because he wouldn't have been on my red list. Um, but apparently he's on a lot of people's hot seats. So I'm curious what you have to say, why? Um, I think it's a lot of questionable personnel decisions. Um, the way he's kind of really not playing up to players' strengths. I think this is the first year where he's like trying to. Um, but yeah, I he letting Dak play this week was probably not the best decision. That was not a great plan. It seems like the team is in. Uh, they're performing well, but in a little bit of chaos. Um, and I just like all of the things that come out about him have been that he's not the best coach. Um. I, I mean, personally, I don't have that strong of an opinion on him, but I could see why his seat would be hot is more so why I have him in the red. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think if they go on to win the East and be a top seed in the NFC, I don't see him getting fired, but also I didn't like the hiring to begin with. I mean, like, one of the first things that Jerry Jones bragged about was that Mike McCarthy said that he watched like every snap of the NFL and his season off or season away from football. And then he immediately comes out in the opening press conference. He's like, yeah, I exaggerated a little bit. I didn't actually do any of that. And Jerry Jones must've just been thinking like, good Lord, what did I just do? And like, yeah, but also like he doesn't even have control of the offense. It's uh, a no. dude whose name I keep wanting to call him Cooper rush and it's not Cooper rush. Um, but uh Cooper Rush is the coordinator. Yeah, hold on. Dallas offensive coordinator. Um, it's their former it, Kellen Moore. Um, yes. Kellen Moore has like complete control of the offense. He was they convinced him to stay aboard when Mike McCarthy came on. So we'll see. Um uh but yeah, moving on. Don, uh, Denver Broncos Vic Fangio's record is 17 and 24 with the Denver Broncos. Obviously, this year uh he had Bridgewater as a quarterback last year. Uh he had Drew Locke, and he was brought over from that Matt Nagy Bears team. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator of that team and uh, the league's best defense that season. So what do you think? Yeah. I think one of the huge issues with um, with Vic Bangio's job right now is as a head coach, you, have, you may not have control over you know little things in game, but you have control over schemes and what your coaches, your, your sub-coaches do. Vic Fangio has been touted his entire career as being this highly defensive-minded guy. Defense wins games. I prioritize nothing if not defense, all of this. Denver's allowing 16.8 opponent points per game at home this season um, and 17 points per game total, so home and away. Um, They're allowing people to put up too many points on them. Another team that had a pretty good start, not great at following through. The recent trade was strange. I just, I, that again, I know it's front office, but I don't know. I, I think Vic Fangio is going to have a pretty hefty, long conversation at the end of this season about um, either priorities for this team or finding a new place for him to be. 
Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting because it seems like they're in a sort of rebuilding and I'm not really yeah. sure. It, like they're in this very odd middle yeah. state where they don't have that young development of quarterback. They purposely passed on him in the draft. Um, they just traded away, you know, their franchise cornerstone in Von Miller. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think they're I think they're a good team. And I think Vic Fangio is a fine coach, but I can also totally see why they would uh, want to move on from him. Um, yeah, but we will move on. Houston Texans. Yeah. Uh, can't speak Houston Texans head coach David Culley who is in his first year and his record is currently one and eight yeah I I think this one's pretty straightforward I can understand why he's in the red but honestly I think I don't know how ownership would have had any other any other expectation for this season no matter who the head coach was Um, and I think David Culley has probably been better than advertised I mean that's probably hard to say as a one and eight head coach, but this is also his first head coaching gig ever. I'm not even sure he's ever been a coordinator off the top of my head, um, mainly a wide receiver coach uh, in Philly for a long time, actually. But, um, yeah, I don't think he's going to get fired because, again, I don't know what else you'd expect from this garbage team yeah. without without the quarterback that they're paying millions of dollars. Yep, and until this team is in a full rebuild, I don't see him leaving. I think that's my biggest one. I don't even see them being in a full rebuild next year. So, yeah, David Coley, to me, is staying. Someone who I don't know if they're going to stay, Jackson ja- Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer, who was in his first year with the team with a record of two and six. Yeah, it really felt like a couple weeks ago. It really felt like he was just about to be fired any day yep. now. Even after even after his first win in London, and even after all of the stuff about the you've tw- uh, video on Twitter. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that big game against Buffalo. Uh, And it feels like Jacksonville's just kind of like slinked back into the shadows a little bit, which I think might be good for Urban instead of a crap ton of negative uh, press. So Mm. I'm starting to lean in the direction that he might actually get another year. Um, I'm not really convinced of that either way, but I I think it definitely depends on what this team looks like over the second half of the year, because it seems like he's starting to get out of his own way at least a little bit. I agree. I think that was kind of the biggest thing was he had absolutely no go plan going into the NFL. And he even said that he was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Um, right. So I think that is the biggest thing is that getting out of his own way. But I think at the end of the season, it's going to be the question of has Trevor Lawrence grown enough? And if not, are we going to prioritize Trevor Lawrence's growth or our concept yeah. with Urban Meyer? And then that's going to be the biggest question. Um, next Miami Dolphins head coach, Brian Flores overall record with my, with Miami is 17 and 24. A man who was one of the coach of the year candidates last year is now sitting in a very hot seat. I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah. I think the Dolphins are the most disappointing team in the NFL this season. I mean, they, they were primed to make the playoffs, maybe even, um, you know, take the AFC East away from the bills. Um, that was a very popular pick. They, and their defense was outstanding last year. Um, their offense really started to kind of get in a groove a little bit last year. And obviously Tua going into his second year, more healthy. Obviously that didn't last long, but, um, they get Will Fuller. They take Jalen Waddle. They trade up for him in the first round. Like it, it finally seemed like they were really going to take that jump and be like a true Super Bowl competitor because yeah. they are the one NFL team that truly has felt in the past few years like they have been doing a uh, you know obviously the Sixers coined the process, trust the process, coined the term, trust the process. The Dolphins were following that mantra, and it is shocking to see the regression. Is it mantra? Mantra. Mantra. Oh, whatever. Um, 
it is shocking to see the regression they've had this season. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, they've dealt with injuries. Two has been in and out of the lineup a bunch. Um, and then there's also it's just the, all the Deshaun rumors. Watson stuff. Yeah, which uh, and that's why I don't know if I necessarily blame Brian Flores. I mean, his job can't be easy when his starting quarterback is in and out of the lineup. And on top of that, having to deal with uh, the idea of um, Deshaun Watson coming. The defense has been an absolute mess. Um, so I don't know. I, I think how they end the season is going to be very, very important for Brian, Brian Flores. Cause if they can get a couple wins, maybe go on a little bit of a streak down the season, I think he'll be fine. But if they continue out, I mean, they don't even have their first round pick this year. They gave it to us so they could take Jalen Waddle. So we might see a bit of a process restart. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't doubt that. And I think one of the huge things is with Tua and all of the trade rumors, he never once was like during all of the rumors was like, listen, two is our guy. Like we're staying our course. And then if the trade happened, which I not I, if you thought that was going to happen, I think you're a little bit crazy, but um, once if the trade ever did happen, then you can be like, listen, you know, we thought two was our guy. We're going to take a chance here, but at least sit there and defend the guy who's trying to carry this team on his back. That it does no good for a development of a quarterback when you're sitting here letting these rumors float around, around the locker room, around the media. He's being questioned around every corner, and you never once were like, we stand by Tua, and we're going to make this work. We understand it's not working right now, but we're going to figure it out. Like, never. Um, Miami's only putting up 18.1 points per game on average, third worst in the NFL, allowing 29.6 points per game, opponent points per game. And that's for Brian Flores, who's defensive-minded, who was coming off of a defense that was really good last year. I just don't get it. I don't understand why the regression is happen- happening. Um, I think it's doing no good for Chua's development. I don't know. I could see very, I could very well see Brian Flores losing his job. Um, honestly, even if they make a pretty big run, I think it would ha- to save his job it would have to be a, a really good-sized run. Yeah, I mean, I. I don't know if they really, I, I, I really like Brian Flores as a head coach. I really did before the season. So um, I think if they can go on a little bit of the end of a uh, run at the end of the season, even if it's just like, you know, end the end of the season hot, like a three to four game win streak. Mm-hmm. And you can just go into the front office and say, look, this is what happened this year. I fixed it. We got I this. I think accountability is going to be the biggest yeah. issue with it. I think yeah. that's going to be what might save his job is the accountability. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but last but not least, we have definitely not least, maybe least, mm-hmm. um, is uh, your New York Giants yeah. head coach, Joe Judge. He is 9 and 16 with the Giants. What do you think? I think there's a very good chance Giants completely clear house. Um, it, there's a lot of talk that Dave Gittleman, the GM, is out. Um, with that, I think if Dave Gittleman is out, we are going to get a new head coach. I think that's a huge key piece to Joe Judge's job. Um, especially with a quarterback who's in a contract year. And there's a lot of talk about maybe Daniel Jones will be signed for one year um, with a transition team, basically, and then kind of gauge the development. Joe Judge is horrible. The offensive play calling for, I mean, we know he has a part in it. Not good. The scheme is not good. He is not a good leader. All he does is let people run laps. That's pretty much all he's good at. Um, And complaining. I I, I don't see him keeping the job. Um, kind of really, uh, I don't know. The Giants love to do this thing where they win a bunch at the end of the season and then keep all of their staff, which I could see happening just because it's what history has showed us Giants fans, um, what will happen. But I think a huge part of Giants is that you're in such a big market, right? And 
you have to keep your fans happy. That's a huge piece to the New York, all New York sports organizations, and they are not keeping a single fan happy right now. Um, and the owner knows it too. I mean, he's come yes. out and addressed it, which I think is yeah. maybe the I biggest mean, thing. There's videos of him like kicking over trash cans at games and freaking out. So I think um, Joe Judge loses his job. Jason Garrett loses his job. I think Dave Gettleman's gone. So I think they're going to clear house and Joe Judge is going to be one of the first people to uh, have his bags handed to him and say, please leave. As an Eagles fan, I hope they all sign lifelong contracts yeah. and remain in their positions uh, with the Giants franchise. Uh, I do. Why wouldn't I? Joe Judge is garbage. I love hating him. It's very enjoyable. And Dave Gettleman is just a moron who's terrible at his job. Yeah, um, really but anyway, uh, that will. Uh, and this wait, last thing is this team has so much young talent, right? Like so much good young talent. And this team is so likable. And there's, there's absolutely no progression. How are you going to have a player like Kadarius Tony who absolutely balls out and then you just throw it to him like he had him and Kadarius Tony combined for I think one Well he he is Kadarius Tony who is the other one? Oh sorry, he and Kenny Galladay combined for I think one one two catches this week. Like they're just not yeah. incorporating young talent. Um like why aren't you letting Matt Pert start? Like it it literally none of them make any sense and they're prioritizing other things over development of young talent on a team that's not doing well. Why can't you just let the young talent develop? So I don't know. I think he loses his job. I hope they can keep Dave Gettleman around long enough to give Saquon a multi-billion dollar contract. Yeah, for sure. All right. Yep. Go birds. Wrap it up. All right. Well, yeah, that'll do it for us uh, this week on the undroppables playbook. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Uh, as always, you can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple, Google, Spotify, um, under the Undroppables Playbook. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, UN Playbook. Um, and you can find me on Twitter, Michael Duncan, at MPDuncan75. I'm also the producer of another Undroppables podcast, uh, The Undrafted, hosted by at Dino Game Theory. Uh, so feel free to check that out. Uh, we do an episode a week as well. Um, and Ashley, where can the listeners find you? You can find me and all of my content with The Undroppables on theundroppables.com. You can find me personally on Twitter at Ashley underscore Marie with two A's at the beginning of Ashley. You can find a lot of my content on the Undroppables TikTok page. And as always, you can find me here every Wednesday live at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, chopping it up about football with Michael Duncan. Um, and you can find us afterwards always on all of your streaming platforms. But we have a live um, video stream for our live shows and our live viewers and i think we're going to get our our viewers incorporated into kind of a mailbox episode soon so make sure you're following us individually or un playbook to be able to submit your questions and yeah join us for our live shows if not come hang out with us in your airpods airbuds whatever you want to but yeah thanks for listening it's a football podcast we like to just talk about everything in the nfl news injuries head coaches who we hope are gone next season but who knows what next week brings. I hope you all have another great week of football, another great week in general, and we'll see you back here next week. Have an awesome week, everyone. Bye. Bye.